Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Investing with IBD, sponsored by MarketSmith. Today is May 6, 2020. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and returning back to the show is Andrew Horowitz. Andrew is the president of Horowitz & Company and also the host of the Dis Disciplined Investor podcast. Thanks for being here, Andrew. Hey, thanks for having me again. Great show. Great show. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the current market. We will talk about the pitfalls of not having a plan, and then we will end the episode with three current stocks. So let's get into the current market. The market's in an uptrend. We had uh, the signal go back in an uptrend back on April 2nd on the S&P, uh, April 6th on the NASDAQ, and it's been working quite well so far. A lot of leading stocks are in uptrends. They've broken out. Stocks, uh, a lot of stocks have survived earnings. They're, they're actually doing uh, pretty well after earnings. Andrew, what are your thoughts on this crazy environment? Yeah, so it is a crazy environment because yeah. we're starting to see this, this massive disconnect with what is likely to happen in the next three, six months and to what stocks are doing. I mean, you look at the Qs, the NASDAQ triple Qs, they're up for the year. Amazing, right? It's incredible, yeah. You look at the small caps telling you a much different story. You're seeing that the S&P 500 um, is kind of uh, in the middle of all this. And I think really what's happening now is that there is a, uh, a kind of, as I said, a disconnect. But yet what we're seeing is people want to be in stocks. Mm -hmm. And they're really not caring about this and saying, well, we know there's going to be problems, but we think it's transitory. We think it's temporary. Right. So what they're doing is saying, you know what, I'm thinking a year out, two years out, because once this is over, we're going to return back to normal, True. which I don't I don't agree with, by the way. Well, we'll have to find out. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, eventually we'll turn, eventually we'll get back to normal. It's just going to take right. a lot longer than I think people think about. The one thing I'll just mention on this is if we're doing any fundamental analysis, and we're trying to look at valuations. When we look at the S&P 500, estimates are about $150 for 2020 earnings on the S&P 500. Only about a 10% reduction from 2019, which in itself is pretty amazing. Right, yeah. Well, if we take a look at where we are on the S&P 500, we're trading at a forward multiple of about 20 right now, which is kind of historically high. Yeah. In addition to that, when we get into a recessionary environment where we have a GDP print at negative 4.8% going on at negative 30%, where we see that 30 million people are out of work at a 17% unemployment rate, we see the ISM manufacturing in the, in the 41 range in, in contraction, the ISM services, the lowest it's been since 2009, and yet, for some reason, we are not pricing at recessionary levels for multiples. So there's something a little bit off from all this, in my opinion. I think you might be a little, being a little too optimistic here, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> no, let, let's let's dig into that a, a little bit further uh, because you're right. It, it's now there, there are two arguments here with the way we got hit so hard. Maybe we maybe the market priced it in for a little bit. Then now you're kind of having this reaction, and and it's just now. Now we'll have to wait and see to see what the, the true kind of feeling with the market is as more and more of these numbers come out. But, uh, but yeah, there, there are a bunch of landmines here, uh, a bunch of headwinds. Uh, and we've had this V-shaped uh, recovery so far. But, yeah, may, maybe we're not get, getting away with this uh, so easily, though, right? I mean, it's all dependent on the direction of the virus, the new case count. And, yeah, what you're talking about is this, this – um, incredible amount of, of landmines in the headlines. There's constantly things happening on a daily basis that are throwing things you know, up or down. You know, we, we see, hey, that 
case count is slowing down and it looks like it's getting a lot better. Maybe we have a new drug or a treatment or maybe there's something happening that, you know, makes it look a lot better that we are going to, in fact, reopen, you know, the grand reopening, even though we're not following the rules in many of the states that were set forth by the coronavirus task force team. But OK, um, you know, I mean, I think we need to open the tattoo parlors, right? That's important, right? The first thing we need to do is, is, is get the massage places open and the tattoo parlors. But when you look at, I think, the potential for every other pandemic that's ever happened, we've had a second wave. For every other recessionary cycle that we've seen, a drop and then a return back of a 50 or a 60% retracement from the bottom, we've seen another rollover to the downside, possibly even testing the downside levels that we saw previously. So you have these reactions that are happening, and I think what's happening now is that there's a lot of um, incredible amount of um, a benefit that the stimulus program, don't forget the Fed has put in uh, how many trillions? Four, maybe today it's $5 trillion. You know, we have stimulus of $3.2 trillion from the CARES Act, plus another three hundred and sixty. plus they just borrowed another $400 billion on top of that to make a, a, a cool $3 trillion of borrowing. So a lot of that's happening. The question is going to be, is that stimulus going to run out before the all clear is, uh, is out there and everybody goes back to work? That's a big issue, and that's kind of why the markets are a little bit skittish, yet at, at, at the same time going up the markets. Individual stocks, different stories. Yeah, well, now, now one argument is that with, with the, the Fed was so quick to react this time, as opposed to like a 2008 where they took quite a while to, to really react and, and get the stimulus program. Uh, now, and I'm sure they're going to leave room open if we get into the fall or so to hit us with another stimulus package if we really need it. So maybe that's why some of the optimism there uh, is with the market. Now, yeah, you mentioned there, there are a bunch of growth stocks that have been acting quite well. Obviously, the ones that a lot of these SaaS uh, stocks, stocks that aren't necessarily dependent on people having to go to the office are going to truly benefit. And so while you want to keep all of these great facts that you, you've thrown out there and, and, and keep that in the back of your mind, you also want to listen to the market too, right? right. Of course. Because in the end, that, that's, going to be the, that, that's going to be the difference maker. So, you know, you talk about the, the, the software as a service, and it's really interesting because you would think that if there is a lot of firings going on, let's take Salesforce as a good example, right? Mm -hmm. Salesforce, you pay for, as a company per seat. You know, there's other models possibly for different companies. You may have an enterprise version that's kind of unlimited up to a certain point. But a lot of companies are paying by the seat. Okay. And right. what happens when all of a sudden those seats are no longer occupied, right? The first thing you're going to do is cut that Salesforce uh, subscription for that person. Right. Yet, I don't think that's flowing into the knowledge base of investors for somehow. I think that they think that this layoff process that's going on and expectation this week for another 3 million of new initial claims happening, that there's somehow magically, everybody's going to go back to work right after the fact, and we're just going to just hop right back on where we left off. And I, I just think that's a little bit of a, of, of a, of a very... Uh, it's a false prophecy right now, I think, is, is what we're looking at. That's true, yeah, because we haven't really seen, because there's part of the economy, and, and there are a bunch of, like, our company, we're all working from home, and we're, we're busier than ever, right. uh, and we haven't missed a step. I mean, we're really, really lucky in that case, and, and we're using Salesforce, we're, we're using 5.9 uh, to manage phone calls and, and to manage right. all the requests coming in, so 
for so for us, it's not necessarily losing seats. We're we're actually looking to hire more people right. because right. of the the huge demand. So you're seeing some companies that aren't as affected by this versus we also have under the whole large O'Neill umbrella, we have a printing company too. Now those guys have to be there and they are going into work, but those would be the more vulnerable ones, the ones who actually have to go into work, especially if you have a breakout of coronavirus there or something sure. like that. Right. I mean, I think right now we're going to be getting into, you know, the big question is what comes what comes next? Yes. What what if we what if we open up too early? What if the fact is this 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 uh you know, this experiment that's going on, I'm going to use Georgia as a good example. Yeah. Um, what if this experiment doesn't go well? What if we see another spike that happens in this? I, I don't necessarily think that there's going to be the desire or the leadership ability to close us down again. I think we're going to try to get into the herd immunity process and say, you know what? We really didn't get too much of a benefit. There was a report today talking about how the new cases that are coming into New York right now are all from home exposure. Yeah, not from yeah. outside, which is how, right. how do you, if you're in lockdown in your own house, how are you getting exposed if you're not changing any of your environmental variables? Right. Kind of weird, but maybe it's just a delayed reaction. But the point is that I think we're going to go with a different structure like Sweden has done with the social distancing, with mask requirements, with restaurants at a much lower capacity, mm -hmm. um, some sporting events not taking place, um, you know, parks and and, and, and recreation facilities closed down a little bit, schools open, but yet with a lot of oversight. So there's a lot of things that are going to happen there. And I think there's going to be a lot of changes, a lot of companies that are going to benefit from this because nobody wants to go through this again. I, I don't want to go through this for another day. I don't know about you. No way. No. Yeah. <laughs> no? I'm over it for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, we, we, you, you alluded to it in the very beginning, you know, about behavior changing, right. right. And, and how it, it may take a couple of years for us to go back to normal, or maybe there's going to be a new normal too. Now, I, I, everyone's obviously going to be able to hygiene and, and having Clorox products left and right. I think right. that's definitely going to, going to change, but uh, yeah, you're going to, you're going to see some behaviors that will, this, that's the kind of the new normal uh, for just the way of life, uh, not only just work, but just everyday kind of life where, where we're right. going around. I mean, think about movie theaters, you know, the old yeah. days of desiring to go out to see something on the big screen because it was not put out into the regular television mode or HBO or cable. Now you have all this cord cutting that went on. People have fast forwarded their acceptance uh, of a, uh, a Netflix or a Hulu or a Disney Plus. Now they're going to put first releases on there if they're smart. Okay. Right. And instead of seeing the movie on a 72 foot screen, you're going to see it on a 72 inch screen. It's not like we're back in the day with a 13 inch screen, right? Where you're just yeah. watching on the small, well, the kids do, right? The kids watch <laughs> on their phones and on their computers. That's true. Uh, right. But, but I like, I mean, so I'll make my own Overredebacher's popcorn at home and have my own Twizzlers and, and peanut M&Ms and, and pay a lot less for it, by the way. So I don't know how AMC and Cinemark are going to really do anything. The only thing that may come back is the drive-in movie theater that could make a comeback? That that is, yeah. And, and I have seen a few uh, a few drive-in movie theaters doing pretty well because, yeah, it, you get that social distancing, uh, and and that always has been a novel. When did when did that go out? Maybe out of style. Maybe thirty years ago. Yeah. Or so. Yeah. I remember uh, my parents. You need you need to you have one of those drive-in movie theaters with um, some kind of um, hamburger and milkshake chain with people with skates that could bring it to your car and stick it up. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Stick it on the yeah. side of the car. Yeah. Yes. That would be, that would be perfect. Oh, maybe I'll back do that. to the future. <laughs> yeah, 
exactly. <laughs> and, well, and now going off of that kind of uh, train of thought, gyms too, oh. right? It's it, now uh, I, I just saw before we started this podcast a, a local gym here, Gold's Gym, uh, and uh, there's a famous one right down in Venice where you know Arnold Schwarzenegger works out and all that stuff. They filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they're going to survive, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean the people's behavior changing there is, is probably going to be pretty big too. Uh, I've, I've spoken about it in, in a, a, another podcast before, but I recently got like a Peloton bike. So I, I'm, I'm reducing my, my reliance on going to a gym for cardio equipment right. dramatically. Yep. Uh, and they reported uh, right before right. we started this and, and they're up higher because their yep. sales are going through the roof. Right. Uh, so you're probably going to see more of those kind of things happening, just like the, the movie theater. So I think a Peloton's an interesting play. That's definitely the stay at home play. It has a subscription model to it, which is very smart of them. Great bike. Everybody loves it. Um, they have the, the mobile app, which you can take outside. You could run with, which is really cool. On the other side, I talked about this last time we were together, the planet fitness, Planet Fitness comes out with earnings. They miss by 17 cents. They miss on revenue. They guide, uh, they pull their guidance, and the stock is up 6% today, which, okay, whatever. Um, and full disclosure, I'm short that stock. Again, went kind of through a cycle of uh, in and out of it. But Planet Fitness, the way they're owned with their franchises, the amount of money the franchisors make, a franchisee make on each of the stores, it's really not that much. And the inability for them, if they just have to for – a very long period of time, separate everybody. Not to mention, if I was to think of one place to go to that I didn't want to that I didn't want to go to to catch some kind of disease that is transmittable from person to person through bodily fluids or uh, through 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 the air, I'm not going to a gym. Right. I'm, I'm not doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So I don't know what kind of sanitation they're going to use, what kind of way the ultraviolet rays and radiation each night. I don't know what they're going to do. But it seems to me that's a business that's going to have a really hard time getting back to normal. Well, I mean, and well, Planet Fitness serves pizza every Monday, though. You know, maybe that maybe that will bring it back. But maybe. but but even going off that, you still have to share the pizza now, right. which which now is in everyone's it's everyone's heads. Like even like buffets, right? Or even just the salad bars at Whole Foods, are those coming back? Right. Uh, listen, I mean, I've turned into Howie Mandel. Okay, I I, I don't I don't. Yeah. Don't touch me. Don't come near me. I got gloves. When I when I cook at home, I put these plastic gloves on. My wife's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I, I don't know. But I don't want to spread anything, and I don't want to get anything. Seriously. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm almost there, too. And I don't think I'm much different than a lot of people, right? I'm the man on the street. And yeah. a lot of people are looking at, you know, making sure they have a mask. They have protection. They're doing their thing. They're washing up, asking people. I was out with a group of people the other night. We all got together at a parking lot, stayed very apart. Um, but you know, I asked people like, how are you doing? You know, do you know, do you, do you know anybody that's tested? If I walk by them, I took the long way around, kind of just moved yeah. all the way to the side. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's very odd. Yeah, no, it, it is crazy. Uh, so the market is in an uptrend and you know, with all this bad news, we still could potentially be starting a new bull market. So you always want to keep an open mind about that. And of course, manage your risk at all times. And remember, we are still in the middle of earnings. So make sure you know when your stocks are reporting earnings. Let's take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to talk about the pitfalls of not having a plan. Stay tuned. I am here with Scott St. Clair. Scott's one of our senior product coaches at MarketSmith. Now, Scott, there are a ton of publicly traded stocks just on the U.S. I think it's over 5,000 stocks. 
who has the time to go through all of these stocks and find the very best ones? Yeah, most people don't, right? So what you need is a tool like MarketSmith. We have decades of research on what makes a great winning stock. So we've done all the research for you. So we're going to try to highlight those specific stocks with those great data points. So if you're looking for that next great potential big winner, orange stock ideas button, you just click on it and you've got some of the main reports that we use, including the Growth 250. Yeah, and the Growth 250 is the first list that I go through on the weekends. Yeah, it's the most popular one, but there are others. There's the Breaking Out Today, Stocks Near a Pivot, and then the Blue Dot List, right, which is very popular. It's gonna show you the stocks with the best relative strength. So we've done a lot of the work for you. What you have to do is review these lists. You're going to come up with some of the best ideas in that current market environment. Perfect. Mark Smith saves you time and makes investment research that much easier. For more information, go to Investors.com slash podcast 2020. Andrew Horitz is our guest on Investing with IBD, sponsored by MarketSmith. Okay, Andrew, let's talk about the pitfalls of not having a plan. Yep. And let's well, we're going to pull a stock that we spoke about last time you were on, okay. uh, LK. Uh, and this is a great, great example, right? Great example. Great example. So, you know, a lot of the things that I've, I've wrote about in my book, The Disciplined Investor, and that I talk about on the podcast, I always get back to the same thing about, you know, what's your plan? And I got to tell you something. One of the things that I've learned in the year, over the years is a plan is not a plan until you write it down, until you commit to it. And a lot of people are buying a stock because, well, somebody mentioned the name. It looks good. You know, I saw that on TV. I read it somewhere and not doing the research. Now, there are services like yours and Market Smith that gives you a lot of hints and a lot of clues about what to buy, where to be, the IBD 50, whatever it is. But at the same time, you even talk about, you know, you have to have an exit plan, right? William O'Neill talks about a 7% cut on the downside for a stop on, on some. That may be a little bit thin right now with the way that mar markets are moving and stocks are moving, but you have to have some plan. So luck and coffee, it was the darling, it was the replacement of Starbucks in China. Yes. Yep. Great fundamentals, the trajectory of the stock looked really good after the Really IPO. interesting model too, right? The, a really. really nice business model. Nice business model, the stores were beautiful. It was on a big uptick. You know, China was really embracing coffee as opposed to their traditional tea, right. and they were expanding and expanding and expanding. So things looked really good. They come out with their reports, things are good. Stock is ramping. When I talked about it on the show, I mean, I think after that, it was up like 80% yeah. right? in, in a matter of weeks or so. Um, started coming back a little bit, and okay, so once we started coming back, if you didn't have a plan, if you're gonna buy this thing for the long haul, which is a plan in itself, but if you don't have any levels that you're like, okay, I'm out, well, what happened was, let's fast forward a number of months, all of a sudden there are, there's some fraud. There's something going on where they padded the earnings, which I, I still don't understand why they needed to do that. And, mm. and, you know, it was still a new company, an IPO. If they didn't make a lot of money, people would have let it go for a while. Right, exactly. But they padded a few hundred million dollars in two different quarters and under investigation. Stock drops from whatever it was, let's call it 25 or so, down to about three and a half dollars once yeah. this report comes out that they're being investigated into fraud. Uh, stock then, that's in the pre-market. One day, it moves up to six dollars. A couple of people called me, hey, should I buy this? I'm like, you know, I've had some experience with Chinese companies that there's fraud. Now this one, I don't know where it's gonna play out because they do have stores. It's not like they don't have stores. Mm -hmm. It's not like there's a they own a forest that's non-existent, like Sino Forest, remember that one? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds familiar, but yeah, it's, they didn't. They didn't have anything. They just had uh, a lot of pump, 
And they had all these stores and all this stuff going on. So it was a real enterprise. Mm-hmm. But I said, the problem that I have with this is when I've seen this before, when they start halting the stock, it could be halted for a while. Right, exactly. And I think the last halt was on April 6th, I think, give or take. It hasn't so a opened month, since. A month, a month yeah. later, it hasn't opened since. Hasn't opened since. So this is what you have with China. And here, if there's fraud, they let you go through the investigation. The stock kind of works its way through the process for the most part. Um, and, and then it reopens once the news comes out or at least up until the point. And you as an investor can make up your own decision on what you want to do with that stock. Right. In China, they're like, nope, closed, no buying the stock, it's done. So I don't know what the outcome is necessarily going to be, but this stock is now tarnished. If you didn't have a plan, you would be sitting on massive losses. There's no question that you would have massive losses and money tied up in that loss that you would not be able to access. So right. you right. have to have either a stop loss that you set, either a hard, hard or soft, Hard being you put in with your broker, a stop limit or a stop, or you have a soft, which is an alert on a system that you have written down where you're tracking it, that if it gets below 10% where I bought it or a trailing stop, let's say, of 10% or maybe even 15%, give it some room to move, that Mm -hmm. you're out of it. Or if you see that the stock is not reacting well and starts really moving around very differently than it moved before, you got to make a decision and get out of it. There's no harm in taking a profit. We took profits probably about five times on that name. And fortunately, we're not in it when it collapsed and then was uh, eventually halted. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, shortly after that, you you were on last time, as you mentioned, the stock jumped. Was, I think they reported earnings. They're, they're all massive. And I think maybe a week or two later, you emailed me and said, I'm, I'm taking my gains yep. of, of this, right? And, and that is a plan right there. That, right. And that's acting on the plan. So you mentioned something about, you know, having a mental stop. You know, if you're not going to put that hard stop with a broker, having that mental stop, having a mental stop is fine as long as you follow it, right? right. You don't want right. to keep negotiating them down 10%. Oh, let me give it a little bit more time. Right. You have to really follow it and prove to yourself that you can follow it. Uh, or, you know, that you could end up in one of these pitfalls and learn the hard way why you need to have some risk management in place. Exactly. Let me, let me just give you this line and maybe this will sum it all up. I love a stock as long as it loves me. Yes. And if it doesn't love me anymore, I have nothing to do with it. And remember, the stock has no memory. It's not like you have it at 28 and now it's at, you know, 25 and you want to get it back up to 28. That's just a random number of where you bought it. So you have to have a plan. Like I said, write it down, put it into an alert system that you can have on your computer, whatever particular uh, broker that you use, uh, or put in a hard stop with it just to make sure that you're out of it. Now, you can always get back into it. And these days, it doesn't cost you anything. There's no cost exactly. to buy and sell. It's not like you're paying $8 or $22 for a trade. So if you need to get back into it, you get back into it. It's no problem. Yeah, and, and it also doesn't have to be all or none. Right. right. So if you're up on that position and you were maybe up 30% after it really started running, you can take some off the table, yep. give it a little bit more room, take a little bit more off the table. Um, exactly. I've found personally that selling on the way up is the hardest thing for me to do. Very difficult. Yeah. After a while, once you learn about that, you know, cutting your losses, and I had to ride some stocks down 70% initially. 
to really learn like, oh, that's why you have a stop loss. That's why, because on these stocks, anything can happen. Uh, but uh, selling on the way up, even even the last few days, some of my stocks have been running through the roof and just it, it's just been getting crazy. Yep. And so I've forced myself to sell some or even right. and lock in the entire gains and it's still so hard after or all. Or on years. the way up, just put in a stop and raise it up as you yes. go. I mean, that's a really great way to do it because this way you can keep all your gains and you can't, and you're not, you don't have to be wrong. Exactly. The one thing that investors hate is being wrong. Oh, I sold that stock and it ran away from me. You know what? Yep. If you have a stock that's at $100 and it's running, and let's say it's at 105 and 110. So you put in a stop, let's say, let's say you bought a 50. Uh, you put a stop in at, let's say, right below the 100 or whatever number you, you feel comfortable with. As it moves higher, you're putting in like your own trailing stop. Move it up. Move it up a little bit and keep on moving it up and moving it up. And when it eventually comes out, now you may be wrong. It may run further after the fact, but at least you got some profits out of it. It's true. Yeah. I mean, you let the market, you know, take you out. Right. At that point. And, and one thing about being wrong in the markets, you know, one thing I've learned is you're going to be wrong a lot. A lot. <laughs> so a lot. get used to yeah. it. Exactly. So now let's take, a, let's take this planning a little bit further and let's talk about process, Andrew. Mm -hmm. um, you walk through, you know, so, so some of the process that you go through when analyzing a stock and trying to find ideas. So <clears throat> I'm an early uh, IBD subscriber. So I used to go to the library every weekend and get IBD on the weekends. And I would yeah. get a couple of other, you know, newspapers, not to name all of them. Uh, but IBD always had the greatest information, right? But I would go through them before it was all computerized. Yeah. And I would look at all the different EPS growth numbers. I would look at all the revenue growth numbers. I look at all the statistics. You know, I kind of really understood the O'Neill strategy of what he was trying to do, which was basically, you know, the, the, the continuation of growth over time and use, utilizing a lot of fundamental areas like a really good ROE, return on equity of a company. You want to look at increasing and expanding margins in a company. You want to look at consistency of earnings and the ability for management to continue doing it. So all the things that really uh, IBD teaches. And I took that and over the years kind of morphed into my own system. So we have a filtering and scoring and screening process, take about 5,000 stocks, put it through our process for our managed growth strategy we invest money with, our, our portfolio, it's a long, short portfolio. And what we do is we find that it could be anywhere from 30 to 70 stocks that come through that process, depending on the climate of what's going on. Well, what's really interesting is that we have this, again, usually about 40 or 50 stocks that come through on a normal basis. What we decided to do one step further is to allow the portfolio to naturally expand or contract with the equity exposure on the number of companies that came through the process. Perfect. It may seem simple, but what it does is it says, hey, if a lot of names are coming through, it's a really good economic or backdrop for stocks. It's a really good time where I can see that there is a consistency of earnings over time. And I can see that the ROE continues to go higher. And I can see that there's a, a, a whole host of better volume that's being traded. All of this that goes into it, that, that's a good backdrop. And therefore, I'm willing to commit more capital in the portfolios for clients with equities. We call it the core equity exposure. What's fascinating is that at the end of 2019, we only had like 28 names. Wow. Now, now, this was an environment that you would think should yeah. be pretty good, right? Because yeah. stocks were going up. Was, I'm like, oh, my goodness, we're really cutting this back. We have like only 35 or 38% total exposure equities right now 
in our core strategy in a time when things are starting to move. It was towards the end of the, the quarter. As it turns out, that was a really good play. <laughs> you know, that really yeah. worked out incredibly well. And the reason, if you want to look back on why it was that we didn't have any more names, is because stocks were running up on multiple expansion rather than a, a, a beneficial fundamental uh, enhancement. We didn't see stocks that, I, I couldn't tell you that, oh, look at all these great stocks that are doing so well. And it's really benefiting because of the fact that the fundamentals are so much better. No, right. stocks were moving up because the Fed was priming the pump because we had these tax breaks that went on. And then we had a lot of um, you know, FOMO and MOMO that was going on in the, in, the, in the markets towards the end of 2019. There was no fundamental basis for that move in 2019. Now, whether or not we had the coronavirus or something else, something would have probably broken the markets moving forward. And that's that, what, what happened. Now, it may not have been at this degree, but that's what happened. Now, what's really interesting to note is that all of a sudden we're starting to get a lot more names in the portfolio. And I'm thinking, well, how does that make any sense, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we look at the year over year, month, a quarter over quarter, two years over the two years over the quarterly basis, and stocks are coming out of that really high hurdle that they had to get through for when they made a lot more earnings based on the uh, cut of taxes, the tax cut that happened, right? So they're kind of yeah. beyond that now. So now they're growing their earnings again, but it's smack dab in the middle of the potential for a horrific quarter on earnings. So we kind of adjusted a few things in that for this specific circumstance, but that's kind of the, the, the way that a process could work. You have to be nimble. You have to be able to change. You have to be able to say that, you know what, we need to be um, flexible in, in a time that there is a change in the dynamic. Yeah. And, and th so there are a couple of things that, you know, there are a number of things that, that listeners can take away from this. Now, the first thing is, and, and we've seen this uh, for, for a lot of uh, people who've, who've read IBD and, and learned the system and learned a lot of the core parts of it. You learn these larger concepts and you make it your own. You've clearly made it your own where you right. took a lot of the stuff that made sense to you, adapted it to your personality right. or to your situation, right? Managing money uh, for, the for your clients and, and really adapt that strategy. And it's really to the test of time for you, right? That's correct. So that's, that's correct. the first thing. The second yeah. thing is having flexibility. You mentioned it already. You have to be flexible uh, and uh, regard and, and adapt to the environments, but you also have to know not to bend it too much too, right? right. You right. still want to stay in, within that course. So yep. those are two really valuable lessons that everyone really needs to, to take from. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been, listen, let's, let's take us back far enough, okay? Yeah. Um, so, so I've been reading IBD and, uh, and the books that William O'Neill put out before there was a market smith, well before. Oh, I, yeah, remember, yeah. I remember when Scott O'Neill launched market smith. Yes. Okay, yeah, I don't know yeah. what year that was. It was a number that of years ago. 10 years ago. Now, that, that was 2010. But yeah, I'm sure you were looking at the, because market smith before his market smith was called daily graphs online. Right, right. And exactly. daily, I'm sure you were looking even at the daily graphs books years back, yeah. way back the, when. Oh, too. remember those books? Yeah. yeah. Oh, they were thick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they were thick. No, no, those, those, those are beautiful. That, that gave a tremendous edge to those who were, who were getting it just like Marcus Smith is right now. Exactly. Good stuff. So always have a plan in place for all types of different scenarios. Uh, as we've seen over the last few months, anything can happen in the market and you want to be prepared so you don't become a deer in headlights when things really go against you. Coming up next, we are going to discuss a few ideas you should be aware of. Stay tuned. 
I'm here with Scott St. Clair, and Scott is one of the senior product coaches at Margaret Smith. Now, Scott, we've both been doing this for a long time, and we know that investment research takes a lot of time. There's so many factors that you want to look into to try to figure out that whether this is a stock to buy or not. Quarterly earnings, huge sales growth. Hey, are institutions buying it? The list goes on and on. Yeah, it's a common question. I hear it all the time. I don't have time to, to do this work. So you don't have to spend that much time. If you have a tool like Marcus Smith, we do a lot of that work for you. Right there on the chart, earnings, sales, group strength, institutional sponsorship, like you just mentioned. Right. It's all there in the chart. So it allows you to make a decision much easier. Yeah, and the beauty is that we have in-house analysts that go through the SEC filings. They pull out those numbers, and they put it right on the markets chart, and all you have to do is analyze them. Yeah, I couldn't imagine having to go to the SEC website and look at the income statement, et cetera. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, and, and, and that would take hours and hours. And in that time, you can go through hundreds of stocks and find the best ones. So don't miss out on a big winner because you don't have enough time to research it. For more information, go to Investors.com slash podcast 2020 we are back with andrew horowitz on investing with ibd sponsored by market smith okay andrew let's get into a few ideas and the first stock we're going to look at is fleer systems ticker mm -hmm. symbol f l i r yep and uh what what do, what do you like about uh this company so this is a thematic style of investing the idea is that Right now, we really don't have a really good grasp on what the fundamentals are going to be moving into the future. But if we think about some of the things that are going to happen, we talked earlier about, well, movie theaters. We talk about, you know, cruise lines that they're going to have to change what they do, restaurants. So one of the things that maybe is, is highly probable is thermal scanning for fevers, for changes in temperature of people throughout airports. They see this a lot of times in, in Asia, for example. You see these yeah, things yeah. all around. We really haven't implemented those in a great way here in the United States and in other parts around the world. Well, FLIR is a big player in that particular environment. There's a few others too, but from a thematic standpoint, I think it's really interesting to look at them. They reported earnings, which again, I think are relatively meaningless. Stock was up seven or 8%, broke through a major resistance point and in a gap area uh, today throughout the day. But again, uh, I'm just saying this again, fundamentals are very questionable for every company right now. But when it looks like that there's going to be a need and they have some handheld devices as well, there's some talk about them trying to get rid of that. I would think, though, they would want to hold on to that. It's a device that hooks into a cell phone wow. and it turns your cell phone into a thermal scanner. So can you imagine that you are a bouncer at a club? And you have to test all these people. You're not going to have everybody sitting there with thermometers in their mouth the whole time, right? <laughs> right. And, and testing them, sticking a swab up their nose before <laughs> they enter into the club, right? You want to be able to quickly and easily, at least one part of the process is scanning for any kind of irregularities in temperature. So if you could do that with a small device uh, at a bar, at a restaurant, at a movie theater, or even a bigger device, a, a standardized FLIR infrared scanner um, and ther thermal, in, uh, thermal imager, uh, I think that's going to be something that people are going to look at and be very interested in. Why? Why couldn't every office space have that too? Yeah, no, right? I agree. That, you know, I mean that that is really interesting. I mean, that could be part of the new normal, where yeah, think, all of a sudden now you to... just have that. Yeah. So, so that that's really interesting. That ticker symbol once again is FLIR FLIR Systems. One to keep on your radar, but as Andrew mentioned, you know, with these fundamentals, it, it's it's a little hard to trust them now because. There's so many variables out there, and right. we're going to have to see how the next quarter yep. uh, goes. 
Okay, so now the next uh, stock that we're gonna take a look at is Service Corp. And that's uh, ticker symbol SCI. And uh, you know, th this is something, uh, unfortunately, that not, not always the most cheerful business that they're in, but it, it yep. is a consistent one. Yeah, it's consistent. That's a good point. It is consistent because, as, uh, as we know, there's a couple of things that are known facts in life, and that's death and taxes. Yep. So when it comes to death, there's a funeral home company. It's a company that owns a variety of, uh, of, of, of uh, cemeteries and also major uh, producer of caskets. And, uh, you know, thema again, thematic play here, right? So we know there's a lot more deaths that are going on. We see these horrible images of refrigerator trucks and all that. The problem right now is with many of these funeral homes is that they can't have funerals because you can't have gatherings. Right. So I would think though, that if you look at the consistency of this company over time and the fact of what they do, they own a lot of you know, land and, and, and get recurring revenue. Uh, and we know that they, once eventually we get back to normal, people are gonna go back to having funerals. And I think that this is again, one of those, just a kind of a staple. It's like kind of the Procter and Gamble of life, right? You know, it's something yeah. that you need, you're gonna have at least once in your life, you're gonna die once. So we know that for a fact, right? So the thing is, hopefully going down. Yeah, hopefully, right. So <laughs> the thing is that there is a, a a reason to believe that funeral homes, caskets, uh, crematoriums, um, uh, cemeteries, these are all things that we are going to have to one day all deal with, and maybe even think about a little bit more now. Maybe think about a prepaid funeral that we want to buy ahead of time and more money will come into the company or think about doing some other things that would really set the stage for the what if, you know, there's a big boom in, in life insurance sales right now. You know, people are buying it now. Unfortunately, they're buying what's called, um, uh, you know, no uh, medical exam insurance or, or guaranteed issue. So this is the same kind of thing. People are starting to think about their own mortality. Yeah. And I think this is an area that is, it's depressed the stock. It really hasn't come up a lot. It came down significantly but I think it's a relatively uh, thin volume on it. But I think there's something to be said about the consistency of this kind of business over the long term. Yeah, and, and when you speak of long term, while you were, you were talking about the company, I, I pulled up the monthly chart on MarketSmith. And it's gone essentially from below $3 right. all the way to close, above 50 I guess, over the last <laughs> like 12 years. So it is, uh, yeah, it, it is something that a company that's been consistently growing and I guess that they've probably been acquiring funeral homes and doing kind of the consolidation within that space uh, right. for a while, I'm assuming. And they may have more of a, that also uh, brings up the question is, do they have more of an opportunity now as a lot yeah. of the small funeral homes are really suffering due to the fact that they're not able to have services and do what they need to do. So therefore makes it a much more uh, advantage opportunity for them to buy the funeral homes if they're in the acquisition mode. Exactly. So that's Service Corps, ticker symbol once again, SCI. So let's go to another stock, and this is one that a lot of us are familiar with, Viva Systems. Right. Uh, they're in the healthcare business. They're, they're kind of the sales force for the life right. sciences uh, right. uh, field. So they, they do a lot of work in the biotechnology area, and in particular, they do a lot of compliance, communication, yes. uh, ability for uh, storage of data, helping uh, efficiencies of biotech companies and in a world that we are looking at right now with a need like never before 
even without the coronavirus, right? Even yeah, without yeah. that, with all the need for the aging population and the new medicines to come to market, a lot of companies that are coming to market are going to need much better compliance uh, flow through through the FDA process. And, and this is software that essentially is the hub of what biotech companies can do. Not only that, for, you know, management of the business entirely, um, and, and really keeps it uh, very focused. But like you said, it's, it's kind of the sales force for a marketing team, but for a biotech and healthcare firm. Right, and, and in a space where it's sorely needed. I, when I got out of college, I was in the, the biotech uh, field and doing medical research there, and it was all tons of papers and, and things like that, or even hospitals, you know, just tons of papers. And that really hasn't changed that much uh, or, or since the, the, the 20 years since I've been there. Now, now what's interesting is this whole coronavirus environment is probably going to act as a tremendous catalyst to accelerate this. I mean, it's been slowly happening for uh, a lot of the clients who, of Viva Systems because it's just a lot easier to manage all that paperwork right. through an FDA approval process. But it just is going to probably accelerate that much more and get others who were on the fence or maybe just getting a few products from them. Uh, they're going to get the, the whole shebang. Yeah. And, and they hit an all time. I think they had a close to, I don't think they closed there, but they hit a, an intraday all time high this week. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the efficiency, you know, don't forget there's a lot of spend that goes on in, in especially new biotech firms with not, without a lot of revenue that comes in initially. Right. And this can go on for a really long period of time until they actually find something yeah. The efficiency that's created by this kind of system is unmatched and really provides an opportunity to cut out a major layer of potential for costs involved in the system to, to automate some of the mundane tasks that are done through the process of the, the biotech and the, 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 uh, the, the drug discovery phase. Yeah, uh, and, and, and one thing that I've always liked about Viva Systems, and I do own shares of, of this company, is that the, the person who founded it, he, he was at Salesforce. He was one of the top executives there. And he, he noticed that the, there was a big problem in the, the life sciences that he could address. And, and they worked out a deal with Salesforce that Salesforce wouldn't compete with them on that and their partners. Now it's for a limited time and maybe that time is, is coming to an end, but they just may extend that partnership too. Who knows? Sure. Um, but that, that's what's always really stuck out to me that they didn't have this behemoth sales force trying to, to compete. They really specialized and, and grabbed this uh, niche. And there's also the opportunity for once this all ends and it goes through the cycle that Salesforce could think about buying them. A little bit of a big uh, chunk to bite, Right. But nonetheless, that, you know, that is something that is every company is an acquisition target in one phase or another of their of their existence. Absolutely. I like them. I like this good company. We've we've held them for a really long time for clients. And yeah. it, it's it's uh, every time I look at it, I'm like, wow, what the, wow, that's impressive. Didn't even flinch in this whole environment of the coronavirus drop. I mean, it was like a little yeah. blip and then came right back up. Yeah, no, it seems to love to go on these really, because it went on like, what, 100% run It goes on a bender, year, on a bender. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and so one of the best stocks last year, and then just kind of went sideways, bided its time, and now it's right back into to new highs. And, right. and that's what keeps changing. A flat base in your lingo. Exactly, exactly. So there are a few ideas worth adding to your watch list. Thanks, Andrew, for joining us today. Hey, it's been great. Be well, be safe. Next week, we will have Simon Erickson on the show. He is a longtime analyst and also the founder of 7investing.com. 
So that's it for this week on Investing with IBD. I'm Arusha Pierce, and thanks for listening. And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to Investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.